This morning, first off, if you remember those uh, songs that they sing in VBS with the kids, or maybe in Awana, those action songs, you know, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Well, we're going to actually sing that song at the end of the message. But uh, this is going to be... problem unless you have a mic on. So when I reach for the tissue box, you guys all go like this, okay? <laughs> so that'll, that'll save your ears and uh, hopefully we'll get along pretty good. But uh, this, this, is, uh, this is Memorial Day weekend and it's a big day in our family. Uh, my daughter uh, graduated from high school and uh, that is actually what prompted this message. And uh, I got to thinking a lot about the things where we remember and we remember, of course, the soldiers and those men that gave their lives so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. And that's, that's a, the main stay of this weekend. And uh, I think that that is a part of what actually the freedom that they have fought for is part of what has caused our culture to get rather anemic when it comes to faith and Christian issues. Because we have so much freedom that it's easy to be distracted. And so, therefore, our distractions become the consumption or the focus of our lives. And as I was thinking about my daughter graduating and what comes to my mind at those kinds of occasions and what I have failed to do when she's been a child at home, all the things I should have done, all the things I did wrong, the mistakes I made. And so now she's about to walk out the door in the second week of August. She's going off to Arkansas. And, oh, God, you know, help me, help her, uh, keep her close. What do I want for her? I want her to have an abundant life, which is what I've titled this, this uh, message. I want her to have an abundant life, or the good life. But what does that mean? And how, is that, how do you do that? That's a big issue. Now, I got a few quotes here, or at least there are possibilities of quotes, from famous people, from mothers, actually, about their children. And uh, I'd like to read a few of them to you. Actually, all of them are on the sheet. Mona Lisa's mother. After all that money your father and I spent on braces, that's the biggest smile you can give us? <laughs> Columbus's mother. I don't care what you've discovered, you still could have written. Michelangelo's mother. Can't you paint on the walls like other children? Do you have any idea how hard it is to get that stuff off the ceiling? Napoleon's mother. All right, if you aren't hiding your report card inside your jacket, take your hand out of there and show me what you got. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln's mother said, again, with the stovepipe hat, can't you just wear a baseball cap like the other kids? Albert Einstein's mother. But it's your senior picture. Can't you do something with your hair? <laughs> George Washington's mother. The next time I catch you throwing money across the Potomac, you can kiss your allowance goodbye. Jonah's mom, that's a nice story. Now tell me where you've really been for the last 40 years. <laughs> Thomas Edison's mother, of course I'm proud that you invented the electric light bulb. Now turn it off and get to bed. <laughs> Paul Revere's mother, I don't care what you think you have to do, young man. Midnight is past your curfew. <laughs> you know, we all have kids, and we all want the best for them. And as I, again, as I thought about Jessica graduating and, and all the things that I haven't done, all the mistakes I've made, all the things that are positive that I have done, my wife and I have taught our kids the best we can with what we got, 
Ultimately, what I want for my daughter is a good life. And I'm sure that every parent here wants that as well. You want our, we want our kids to have a good life. Okay, but now the question is, what is a good life? And how do you get there from here? A good life, in my estimation, equals a bright light. A bright light seems to be what the Bible calls having a good life. Now, the sermon title actually is A Bright Light is a good life. The good life equals a bright light. I want to read a couple of passages. I'm going to use John 10.10 10 as a springboard. And uh, that tells us something about this good life that I want my daughter to have and all of us want our kids to have, I believe. John 10.10, 10, the last, well, the, the entire, entirety of John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus Christ says, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come, Jesus Christ has come, that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you realize that this is Jesus Christ personally telling us why he came to earth to become a man? I think that's rather significant. Now, Taking a verse out of context is a dangerous thing, but plugging it into context is even more dangerous sometimes because this comes in a very, very, very uh, interesting context. Jesus Christ, in the beginning in chapter 9, just healed a man that was born blind. And it's, there's a whole series of good messages in this passage, in this one illustration, but this man was born blind. Jesus healed him, did it on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees... Uh, chastised the guy and didn't believe that he was really born blind and then accused him of being a born in sin sinner unable to instruct them because he kept telling them that Jesus Christ is the reason that he can see. They didn't believe that Jesus Christ could heal him. They didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to have anything to do with that truth about the living word of God. But here after he's worked through explaining all of that healing and explaining how the Pharisees rejected the reality of this evidence standing before them, a man that was born blind, all of his neighbors knew him, they knew him, he's standing there able to see, and they rejected that truth. Jesus Christ says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full after he has excoriated the Pharisees for not being willing to listen to the reality or respond to the reality of his miracle and this man's giving of his sight. Having life to the full is why Christ has come. The good life, I might add. That's why Jesus Christ came, so that you and I and everybody that trusts Christ as a Savior may have a good life. That's what I want my kids to have. That's what you want your kids to have. That's what we want as people. Isn't that what we want? Well, I want to have a good life. The next verse that I would like to look at is John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We use that evangelistically quite frequently. That's what we give the Gospel of John to people we're telling the Gospel to. It's because the purpose of the Gospel of John is that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And having believed that, might have life in his name. But that life is not something that always is pie in the sky sometime by and by. That's not the only aspect to life. That life we are to experience now, in the here and now, in our everyday living, 
That's what my children can experience. Your children can experience. That's what we can experience as believers. The purpose of the gospel is so that we might have life eternal as well as present. The next slide asks a rather penetrating question to me. Uh, how's that working out? <laughs> how's that working out? Do you experience a full life, the good life? I think that $570 million lottery ticket is usually defined as, now that is the good life. <laughs> and I, I can't knock that. I think that probably would make a big difference in my life, you know? Uh, of course, you know all the quotes. I'm sure you've had them preached at you about money doesn't satisfy and very wealthy men commit suicide and they're all, you know, abysmal drunks and drug addicts because they got all this money and don't know what to do with it. Yeah, there's the bad side to it. But it sure would be cool to try it for a little while, you know. And, but is that the abundant life? Is that what's going to give us peace and joy and contentment, that satisfaction of sitting down at the evening and saying, hey, you know, God, I've done the best I can with what I got. I have peace. I have joy. I've experienced, or I am experiencing, that good life, that abundant life. I know people, I'm sure you do too, that they're very good people. They're healthy, they're godly maybe, they're certainly upright, but they always got to be doing something. They just don't have peace. There's lots of explanations for that, some psychological disorders and all that and this and that, but the peace of God doesn't seem to be part of their life. The joy of their salvation is something that seems to just be out of reach, just got to do this next thing. Is that the good life? I don't know. I think maybe they, they might have something else they can achieve in their workday world to get that abundant life. The good life doesn't have much to do with money, I don't think. I think it's a perspective. It's a relationship to the circumstances that we're in. I'd like you to go to the next slide, which is John 1, 1 to 5. And that gives us a bit of a basis for the entire Gospel of John, certainly Jesus' statement there that he has come into the world that we may have life and have it abundantly. But this is why he can say that. In John 1, 1 to 4, and then, uh, 1 to 5 I mean, and then in 10 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world, jumping to chapter, verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not from natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, there's a myriad of messages in that little short verses there, those few short verses. But what is that establishing for us in this pursuit of the good life? You see, they didn't have uh, internet, Facebook, or Twitter, or anything back in that day. They didn't have cameras. All they had was eyewitness testimony, which is what John is providing for us. 
He physically, personally saw, experienced, lived with Jesus Christ. The living word. The living word that, was, that chose to become a man and live among us, other human beings, as a man to prove that what he said was right, true, real, something that can be counted on. That's what the rest of the gospel goes about explaining to us, ultimately how that truth was rejected, resurrected, and demonstrated to be God. But ultimately, this foundation is the basis for our faith. This is the basis for that good life that I want my daughter to experience, my son, Justin, who's just back from Chicago, from California. All of my kids... You want your kids to have that good life. Well, this is the basis of it. It's an eyewitness testimony. John is giving us that testimony. God is using him to record it for us so that we can know for sure that this is reality. It's not some spoof. It's not some card game. It's not a trick. It's real. And look what it has said. This light came into the world, but the world didn't understand it. The world rejected it. The darkness was not willing to accept the light. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, that's what I think is our human problem, the problem of humanity. We don't respond to the light. We want our own little piece of darkness. I trust that all of you have trusted Jesus Christ personally as your Savior. Recognize that he died for your sin, was resurrected to prove that he was God that he claimed to be, and have received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to confirm that reality. If you don't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, if you're not sure that you're a Christian, please come talk to me after the service or any of the other elders, and we'll we'll help you understand and explain the biblical truth to you. But assuming that that is a reality, then we have responded to the light. I would suggest that the degree to which we experience the peace and the joy and the grace of God is relevant to how much we know about this book which describes our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm going to get there in just a minute because I think that is what will give us that good life, having a bright light. That bright light is responding and reflecting, shining, let Jesus shine through us, allowing Jesus Christ to shine through us to light our worlds of influence. Now, I asked up here, how bright is your light? If you'll flick to the next slide, what does it mean to have a bright light? What's a bright light? Does that mean not wearing makeup, not wearing jewelry, wearing some particular kind of clothing, maybe wearing a full beard, maybe a big flat hat like the Quakers do. I mean, what is a bright light? Well, I think the scripture will explain that to us. The thing that I came across and I wanted to use for this morning is that grace and peace to you is part of a literary convention. I'm aware of that in the introduction to a Greek letter. But it's also coming from an all-powerful God through an inspired author, several of them, to us, wishing us grace and peace. That is extremely significant because that's what I want. (laughs) That's what I want my daughter to have, my my sons to have. I'm sure that's what you want. You want peace. You want to sit down at the end of the day and have peace and joy maybe even. You know, add a little bit of joy into that and you've got an abundant life. 
And all of the New Testament, barring three, Hebrews, James, and 1 John, do not wish us grace and peace. But all of these others do. Timothy adds mercy in his two books. Uh, we're going to go back to 2 Peter in a minute. Third, 2 John adds mercy. Uh, Third John wishes us peace after he's told us in the very beginning of his letter that he has no greater joy than hearing that his children are walking in truth. And then he wishes us peace. Mercy, peace, and love, and abundance from Jude. But all of them, except the Gospels, which are a, uh, an autobiography, and a, uh, the Acts, which is a history book, all of the epistles, all the directives for daily living, wish us grace and peace. I would suggest that that is the source of that good life. That grace and peace from God is what we all work for. You know, I really don't work anymore to, to build a Volkswagen to make it shine. I know I can do that. I want to give it to my kids. That gives me a good pleasure, but it's not to prove it anymore. But doing it gives me great peace and mercy when I'm done. I like to stand back and say, hey, that actually shines, you know. Uh, the paint didn't run on the ground the first rainstorm. But the, the achievement is not part of it anymore. Now it's a case of having just the peace of God, knowing I'm using what he's given me to, 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 to do, using it to the best of my abilities. Grace and peace is what we're looking for. But then that forces another question. How do you get it? I know I don't experience it all the time. There's lots of times when I don't experience the grace of God or the peace of God or the joy of God or the joy of my salvation. I ask God to forgive me for those times, but there's a lot of times when I don't. But see what 2 Peter says there, 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Ah, well now we got a key. We got the key that actually was the basis for my statement earlier when I said that we can have a bright light by knowing Jesus Christ and, and, and growing our relationship with him. The next slide will give us a continuation of that in verse 3. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4 tells us explicitly how to experience that grace and peace. His divine power, Jesus Christ, of course, God's God, has given us everything, now remember that, everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us through his own glory and goodness. Now, just track with the, the, the words a little bit. Through these, that is that glory and goodness and knowledge of that, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, that is as very great and precious promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now that does not say, hallelujah, the Mormons are right, we're going to become gods. What it says is we're going to experience a divine nature in the sense that we now have that peace and joy and that knowledge of him who called us. We can have the peace of God by virtue of our knowledge of him. Knowing the book gives us peace. The good life, the abundant life, Knowing Jesus Christ will help us avoid the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You know, the world offers us a lot of tantalizing things. You know, that $570 million is really cool. I really want that. Am I going to go out and spend all of my income to buy every lottery ticket I can afford? Well, no, because that's not really what God gives me direction to do. 
I will spend some time studying the Word so that when I don't win the $570 million or when I need to pay my monthly mortgage, I have the peace and joy from God because I know that He's faithful God. He's going to meet our needs. The knowing of the book, I think, is the shining of the light. Remember in John 1.1, it says that the living word came into the world, and the world did not receive him. The world, in fact, rejected him and killed him, because he told them that all of your religiosity is wrong. You need to have faith in me and my atonement. Today, we have the written word and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to confirm that truth. We need to respond positively to the word of God. In fact, later on in John chapter 10 even, he goes on to say that the sheep, his true sheep, know him and respond to his voice. They listen to him. They do what he says. John, in his first epistle, near the end of the Bible, he says that the Antichrist has a following that listens to him, but Jesus Christ, true followers, listen to the word of God. We have the written word. That's what we need to respond to. That's what will give us peace in hard times. That will give us that contentment. That will give us that certainty of something better in the by and by if we're going through a tough time right now if we're struggling with some physical illness, if we have uh, a grandchild that is potentially going to have kidney failure, you can pray and know that that will be made right. In this case, the prayer was answered and the baby came home. But even if there's going to be future complications, we know that God is in control because we know the book. We have the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have a good God. We don't have a God that's trying to make us have a miserable life. He's not a celestial killjoy. Okay, how do we do it? Do you have to go to Bible college or seminary so that you can know it better? Well, you might. That would be a very good way of doing it. But not everybody can do that. So the next slide gives us another option. Of course, I'd say Dallas Seminary is a great way to go, good, great place to go. But we can also just pray. <laughs> See, God knows that everybody can't go to seminary. He knows that there's people in the world that can't do nothing but fall on their knees and pray. They don't even have a Bible. But they can come to the throne of grace boldly, with confidence, so that they may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We can do that anywhere, anytime, for any reason. That's the reality of an all-powerful, all-loving God who died to prove that he loves us. He's not just playing games with us. That, so that when we go through those bad times, when your knees hurt, <laughs> I can pray. Say, hey, God, grant your strength to your servant. Uh, when we have sickness, when we have uncertainty, we go to the throne of grace. Because he told me to, boldly, come confidently, and he'll give it to us. You see, that's the abundant life. That's the good life, is knowing that you have a God that loves you. So you're not all stressed out over the have-nots and the want-tos and the what-ifs. We've got a God that's in control. So my takeouts, the next slide, is how abundant is your life? 
You know, I found that my kids reflect a lot of who I am. And sometimes that's very scary when I look at what my sons are doing. My daughter, fortunately, is a sweetheart, and she takes after her mother, who is also a sweetheart. But, you know, if we are reflecting the abundant life personally, our kids will pick up on that. You know, faith follows faith. How abundant is our life? And isn't this what we want for our kids? Isn't this what we want? That's what I want. How bright is Jesus' light in your life, in my life? How are our study habits? Because that's the bottom line. Study to show yourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because it's through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness that we partake in the divine nature and escape through the, the, the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See, it's all tied together. It's not something that's extraneous. It's not something that I can do if I feel like it or if I'm sick and I can't do anything else except lay in bed. I've got to read something. I might as well read the Bible. You know, that's something that should be an act of focus. And that act of focus will determine how our life, or how, what the abundance is in our life. Kind of our crop yield, could I say that? Could I have the lights, please? Because I think that as we, as we live our lives, we have the choice of what kind of light we want to be. You can be a body man, have a light about like this. You know, that's what body men and painters do. Sorry, no, no slam. I'm a body man. You have an old, old rusty light, you've got to push the buttons to make it work, you know. But it does a light. It does light. You can have a newer one. It's plastic. It's a little bit brighter than this one. Or you can be a bright light. You know, I think we all want the benefits of being a bright light. And I'd suggest that the way we can do that is by studying to show ourselves approved unto God so that we can have that personal knowledge of him who's called us to his glory and goodness so that we can escape the evil desires in the world and, and partake in the divine nature. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you that you are a God that loves us and has proven it. We thank you that you are a God that will provide for us, and you have proven that as well. Thank you for your son, thank you for your salvation, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides and directs us. We pray now that as we live our lives, that you might give us the motivation to take the time to know you and to allow your word to change our behavior so that our lights will be bright. Pray that we might be truly bright lights reflecting you in every choice and decision we make. Guide us, keep us, and bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus comes, I'm gonna let it shine.